0: A time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Home Podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me is my co-host Patrick. Hey, everybody, and together we form Voltron. Okay, maybe not, but Voltron is made up of robot <laughs> cats, and this movie we're about to review does have a cat, so I kind of thought it worked.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't even respond back to that. Okay, you speak the truth, but but that analogy, just wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so to be a little less vague, we are thrilled to be talking about a movie today that we both find incredibly strong on the feeling side of things. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is one big imaginative adventure that has a lot of things to say about life, and we're pretty excited to dig into it for uh, here shortly.
0: Absolutely we are, but before we get to it, I wanted to mention another movie that I watched this week, which interestingly enough was also pretty emotional and powerful, Albeit in a pretty much completely different way.
1: Curious George Goes to School? Is that that the one?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. No Curious George here. Have you seen Curious George? Is that a movie?
1: I don't think it is. I just made it up. I hope it's not. (laughs) It may be. I don't know.
0: Oh, boy. Well, no, it was not Curious George Goes to School. And when you hear what this is about, you're going to not want to make those connections. Um, (laughs) So, the film that I watched this week uh, that I wanted to mention is called The Impossible. There's an, a director named Juan Antonio Benaya, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And he has previously directed a horror film produced by Guillermo del Toro called The Orphanage, which is a very acclaimed kind of indie-ish horror film. It didn't get a lot of mainstream buzz, but it's very highly regarded uh, by genre fans and this was, I believe his sophomore effort was The Impossible, movies from a few years ago. And essentially it covers the story of a family who was caught up in the monsoon uh, that hit Asia several years back and wiped, just wiped out everything. It was, it was an awful event, terrible experience, and out of that came this tale of a family. They were actually Hispanic um, I'm not sure where, so I'm not going to guess, but uh, somewhere in South America uh, that this family was from, and they had to go through this ordeal where their family got split up. There were several children involved, and ultimately, I- I'll tell you, it is a happy ending. This is not really a spoiler because this is a based on a true story, um, but they, they, it's all about their determination and will to find each other and survive this incredibly tragic natural disaster. And what what was really different about this from other natural disaster movies, things like, you know, Armageddon, Deep Impact, Twister, ones we've covered on the show and, you know, ones that we really enjoy, is that there's not a lot of funniness or there's or, you know, not a humor in this story. Um, this is probably the most dramatic and tense experience for a disaster film that I've ever, ever gone through. It does not let up. The scenes in this, you would almost feel like are ripped straight from his horror background. Um, the way that I mentioned it when I tweeted it about this film earlier in the week was it's beautifully shot misery. I mean, it is to the point where the suffering that you see both physically and emotionally weighing on the faces of our actors is painful. I mean, it it literally causes you pain as a viewer it's, it's it's incredibly acted uh Ewan mcgregor is in this and uh his wife is oh gosh i don't remember who plays his wife now um it's been too long <laughs> watched too many stuff too much stuff in between uh but it is it is acted superbly across the board the children do a fantastic job uh, for what they have to go through and endure and I just highly recommend it as far as uh, it's a, just this beautiful picture of human suffering, if you can understand that kind of oxymoron. Um, and it, it's a very emotional story. But what hey, what, what kind <clears> of <throat> the segue here for this is that Juan Antonio Benaya is also going to be directing another film late this year. I think that the, direct, or the release date has been pushed back to December. And that film is called A Monster Calls. It is an adaptation of a young adult uh, short, short book. I mean, it's a book, but it's it's a pretty short one uh, by an author named Patrick Ness, who you and I both have read uh, quite a few of his other young adult novels. Such a good,
1: he's a good author. It's just so good. <laughs> he really,
0: he really is. And, you know, his stuff has not been picked up yet in the Hollywood craze of trilogies. Um, maybe it will be. I-, I hope that it's not unless it's done correctly. And mm-hmm. there's a studio that's willing to commit to that and not try to it's oversell very,
1: it. <laughs> yeah, it's a very specific style. His books are very specific in their in their storytelling style.
0: It is. And this one in particular is a, a story about emotional suffering. Um, without giving too much away, it's about a young boy uh, living with his mother who has cancer. His father is not around. He has abandoned the family for a new wife and gone to America. The story takes place in uh, England. And the boy is visited by a monster, a tree monster. And the tr- I, I don't, I'm don't, i not going to go any further than that because if I did, I'd be spoiling it. Um, I can tell you that the tree monster is voiced by Liam Neeson. So if I haven't hooked you yet, that should do it right there. Um, but it is high, high, high up on my anticipated list. I'm really, really excited about it. And for the buzz that has been coming out of festivals about this film is that it is an emotional experience akin to what the book gives you. I've read the book twice. The book's a five star out of five book for me. Uh, It tore me to pieces inside. It impacted me in big ways. I have given it out for free to everyone I could find. I've encouraged everybody to read it. I bought the hardcover of it this last week and started reading it to my kids at night. So we've, we've the last few nights, we've gone through two or three chapters uh, of the book, and they're really enjoying it too. So I'm hoping to get through with that and then be able to take them to see the movie. Uh, but
1: um. Very exciting. And uh, I just want to say, listeners, that uh, my friend here is very generous. He gifted me a copy of the audiobook from Audible. And I plan on diving into that probably in the next week or two, because the way he's talked about it on and off the air gives full credibility to the fact that um, I'm really excited to uh, to read it. And I'm surprised that I didn't. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Ness, and the fact that I haven't read this is really surprising to me personally. Yeah, I think, I think you're
0: really going to enjoy it. Um, just, you know, you have to be prepared with this one to let it. It, let it touch you. I mean, it's, it's not a book that is, you're not, it's not a book you're reading for a fun adventure. You know, you'll quickly realize that this is a story as the monster will actually say about truth and figuring out what that is. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited that you're going to listen to it and I, or slash read it. And I, and I do highly encourage that everybody else does as well and get excited about the movie coming later this year. Cause I think it's going to be great.
1: Do you know when it's coming out specifically?
0: Well, I think that the release date had been pushed back to the Christmas week, December 23rd or whatever it is, okay. Christmas week. Um, we're going to try and see if we can find a way to squeeze that one in our schedule. I think
1: <laughs> the perfect time for a depressing emotional movie. Oh, Merry man. Christmas, There's right? so <laughs> many good movies coming out
0: then though. <laughs> Passengers is coming out that week too. And we've got, we're going to, we're going to need to like take an extra week off just to podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> for sure. So what about you, man? What have you been up to? Not a bunch. I started a new job this week, and so I've been getting acclimated with that world. Um, But I got a chance to be a guest host on a podcast.
0: Exciting!
1: Yeah, it really is, and I was, (laughs) I was totally jacked about it from the moment that um, I was contacted. I got a chance to pick some films, and I, you know, the one I chose, I was really excited to, to do. the The podcast is called the Retro Rewind Podcast. And the idea is that it's a it's a it's a team of two. Uh, Francisco Ruiz is the is the main host. He's the one that that I've been in contact with the most. And he and his partner they have a guest host on. And what they do is they look at both movies and games from the last from 15 years or older to see if they still hold up today. And they do a lot. Their their show is really a lot of fun. They have a lot of really cool like. Um, sound effects and so it feels like a radio show they do a live broadcast for some of their patreon users um or contributors they do games uh the game that i was involved with uh, you can attest that i was terrible at but i had a good time with it (laughs) you
0: weren't very good i will i was
1: not very good Uh -uh. but but essentially it's it's really a, a podcast about talking about these older movies that um We're essentially part of our childhood. Now, of course, as we get older, more movies are going to be eligible for that. But the big thing that they do is, after going through an analysis with all three hosts, they try to determine if the film is a classic, if it's nostalgic, or if it's tragic. Oftentimes, they are, you know, they are torn, (laughs) they're differing opinions, which our episode was. Um, But every once in a while, they have. A, a unanimous decision where all three pick either tragic, nostalgic, or, uh, or a classic. So this episode was um, on the, the 80s comedy Adventures in Babysitting, directed by Chris Columbus. and And like I said, I just had a blast with it. It was so great to talk about my memories of this movie before seeing it again, what my thoughts were as I was watching it, talking about just as we talked about last week about Goonies and the nostalgia that it brought with it. And um, more than anything, it was just really great to get to know these guys and get to talk with them both before the show actually started in their, pre, in their, their pre-show their pre and then to talk with them for, you know, 15, 20 minutes after the show ended. They're really, really cool, a uh, couple of guys. And, and I really love what they do. I love the fact that they explore these things that they bring you in because you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that movie or, man, I remember playing that game. And, and their analysis of it is just really just a lot of fun. And, uh, and I just I had a good time. I'm hoping to be on again soon. Um, I'm surprised they have not, neither of them have seen the movie Better Off Dead, which if our listeners are familiar with that, um, that's, that's pretty tragic that they haven't because that's a classic in my book. And if they ever, um, I told them this at the moment that you guys pick that, if you do, when you do, Call me because I'm I'm ready to, to dive in. So, Retro Rewind podcast you can catch them at RetroRewindPodcast.com. dot com, or if you don't want to type in all that, which you're lazy if you don't. <laughs> now you can you can catch them um, on our website Feel and Film. Just look at look for the uh, tab that says uh, guest uh, guest spots, I think is what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you can find the uh, the latest on that as well. So. Um, yeah, it's good, there man. It I'm
0: glad you got to do one. I know I've done several guest appearances and it's always a funny, fun time to be on somebody else's show and, you know, not have to do a lot of the work, just get to have pure relaxed engagement
1: <laughs> for your yeah. end. And in the podcast community, I think that's something else that I've pulled from this is that just getting to know the podcast community and seeing how people approach movies and games and things that they want to talk about. So it's not only very cool to get to experience that firsthand, but it's really an honor to be invited because, you know, we do our thing. And, um, I love the listener engagement that we have on Facebook and I love the guest hosts that we are, have had on, which I think is just one. No, it's <laughs> the mini so with, with Scott, but, um, I'm also just incredibly, um, excited about just growing that, those relationships and, and getting to know those guys on that podcast, as well as the other podcasts that we've connected with, like Popcorn Theo and and elsewhere.
0: I agree. It's it's always good to have options, I like to say. And lots of us exist, and uh, you find the flavor that suits you the best. And hopefully, you'll you know be able to get engaged with that one and contribute to the conversation and have fun with it.
1: Yeah. So that being said, I'm ready to talk about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. All right, let's um, do it. When we picked this, I was giddy.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> yes, we picked this a would. while
1: back. Yeah. We, we were setting our schedule a while back, and I said, we've got to do this one. We've got to um, do this one. I think
0: this one was actually picked literally, like, when we created our first ever list of potential films to do, when we were brainstorming the podcast idea. I believe this was one that came up, if I, don't, if I recall correctly.
1: It did. It was I think we have a, a list in our archive of second chance picks, like potential second chance movies. And this was on that list. I remember going to Rotten Tomatoes and, and seeing that it was sort of, you know, middle of the road between its uh you know, the criticism of the of the critics and the fans and whatever. And I was like, Well, wow, that's a no brainer, let's do that one. And uh, so to get to rewatch it as a technically a second chance pick, although for me it's just a great movie to watch. It's kind of like you with like Armageddon. It's like there's just really mm-hmm. there's no there's no way I'm not going to talk bad about this movie unless I actually have to, which I hopefully I don't. But so that's how I feel about it. What about you? What's uh what do what are your thoughts on it?
0: Well, I had seen the film before uh, years ago when it first. Came out. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it when it came out on on video. I don't even... I don't recall exactly when in my life I watched it. But I I do know I'd seen it. And I really enjoyed it. I remember loving the visuals. I remembered um, that it had unique transitions between a dreamlike and reality-like... Or dreamlike stages and then reality. I remember... um, being drawn to the way that the, the text was on the screen. That was something that, that I had remembered from my first viewing, but you know, it wasn't something that I had stuck in my head as a, as a fond, like favorite of my, of mine. Um, in fact, I hadn't even logged it on my letterbox account. I, I guess it was far enough back that it never got captured there. So I don't know what I would have rated it back when I first saw it. I just know that I enjoyed it, but I didn't remember it in detail. So this time around, I was excited because I knew that it was something I'd enjoyed previously. I didn't have to go into it kind of fearing that with that, with that, and you know, initial scare of, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. And I also knew that it was wholesome enough because I think it's rated PG and it's just a, it's just an adventure story here, an adventure tale and, um, a lot of, a lot of life lessons going on. And so I knew that I could watch it with my kids who are. Thirteen and eleven, and I had them over this weekend, so they were able to watch it with me. So that that excited me as well, because as as our listeners probably know by now, that's a, a huge positive boost in any movie experience that I have when I get to share that with my kids and hear their thoughts on it as we're watching, and then after the movie. So, those things considered, uh, I was pretty pretty stoked to rewatch it, and. I'll tell you, man, I am so, so glad that you picked this film. Sweet. Um, yes, without beating around the bush. Um, I'm, I'm a big list guy. I'm, I'm, I'm big on my, like, ratings um, on Letterbox and my, my lists and my, you know, quote-unquote top whatever of all time lists. Those are kind of important benchmarks for me. This is going in the top 50 for me what I, I'm not kidding you um, and I, <laughs> oh, I know man. I know that people uh, know me as the, the overreactor both in my real life and you know everybody here that's been listening to us for a while you know I like to say I love every movie and every movie is a five star movie well you know there's some truth to that I do tend to overreact but I've had enough time to reflect on this and to really process it and now that it's my second viewing I I truly believe that this film is special, not for it, both, both from a technical aspect, uh, because of the way that some of the the features of this film are done, the cinematography and things that we'll talk about the music, the acting, but the message that this movie gives and has to offer to all of us is important. Mm -hmm. It, It is so important. And I believe that, this is a message that we could stand to watch every single year for the rest of our lives. And it would be applicable and it would be valuable. And so this is that kind of movie. This is that kind of experience for me that is different. It's unique out there. Uh, and, and so because of that, you know, I, I really have high praise for this one. I loved it and I'm ready to watch it again. Um, and I, I'll shut up now and let you talk, but I, cause I could just keep going just, praising it with different words, but, uh, yeah, man, I am so glad we did it. And I hope that us covering this has inspired or encouraged people who have not seen it yet to watch it just so they can listen to us simply because I want them to watch it.
1: Mm. Very good stuff, man. You said something interesting about the message that it has and how it's important for us today. I wonder 10 years from now, could we watch this movie and it be just as relevant. What do you think?
0: I do. I, I absolutely think that. And the reason is because it's it's a timeless message. It, it doesn't, you could take it out of the setting of a corporate guy who's stuck in his, his job and, and you know wants to find someone to date through online dating. You could take him out of that setting and put him in a different era. And he could still have the same struggles in his life in the eighties or the seventies or the sixties or the 2050s. It might be a different type of job. It might be a different way of, you know, trying to connect with others in various relationships. Um, but ultimately the ideas that are in play in this film about exhibiting courage, taking risks, um, living life, not just dreaming about it, but doing it Mm -hmm. and not wasting your time. Those are things that are timeless and they just, they, they will exist forever as issues that we face as humans. And so I think this movie could, could legitimately be put in a time capsule and a hundred years from now could be watched and people could have the same emotional response to it.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. The, the, the impact of the movie ironically is in its simplicity, at least the way that I see it. It comes from a short story of which the premise is really the only thing that Ben Stiller and his crew have pulled in order to create something that's more complex. Hmm. But even in the complexity of it, it's very simple. It's a very straightforward story. And much like my reaction to Sing Street, it started out as a guy trying to get a girl, but it was really about something else. It was about a guy's relationship with his father and the loss of his father and how he dealt with that. And what we see is that the quirkiness and funniness of his fantasies are really kind of a a coping mechanism for the life that he wished that he had lived and the one that he was on the path to live because of the encouragement and the relationship he had with his dad
0: mm, yeah yeah and it and it, it's 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 a tragic thing i mean it's it's something that we all. Possibly deal with in our lives, probably actually, not just possibly, but probably we face these moments. it um, may not be losing a father or losing a parent um but it it could be anything that interrupts our dreams it could be you know i I have my personal examples uh that are that are very clear and helped help to explain why it resonates with me so much you know i I was on a path to college and And I derailed myself at the absolute last moment of my senior year, and I just kind of went off the deep end for a six month period that cost me everything about the future that I had planned and everything about that path that I was going to go on and you know it set me up to then be in the Navy, which was not the plan and um, It was monotonous to me <laughs> for a long period of time, and it was it was not what I wanted to be doing and not where I wanted uh to be going. And this movie is one that lets us remember that we can be in those those states and those places and we can get out of them. That doesn't mean I can get out of the Navy, but it means I can make the best of the situation I'm in to move forward with my dreams and not to just believe that they're dead and buried because of one thing that altered the course
1: and made it more difficult. Right. I also think that, tagging what you just said the choices we make don't necessarily need to be regrets that we feel guilty about that we do make choices that derail what we think or what could be a better life or a better choice but this movie sort of exhibits a sense that Walter Mitty's life wasn't necessary I mean (laughs) he I don't know a lot about. Uh, he, we know that he was working for the magazine for 16 years as a negative asset manager, which is what a great title for. for
0: him. Right. When he first says it, you're like, "What is that? That sounds interesting and financial, but it's not.
1: Oh, it's really not." I almost want to say, "You're a negative asset." You know, it's just <laughs> your mom sounds... is a negative asset manager. <laughs>
0: that sounds like something Hendrix would have said.
1: It's absolutely, <laughs> with the epic beard. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But we we get introduced to this guy in his white shirt and black tie and pants. And we wonder, you know, we again, the thing I love about storytelling is the sense of challenging our perceptions. We build this perception based on what Ben Stiller is showing us as an actor, as a director that he's on, he's on a dating website and he's hesitating to you know, what is it? A Wink or poke? Wink. What is it? It's, wink. He's
0: hesitating to send a wink and he, win. and it's such a great scene as someone who has, you know, been very much in the online dating scene. Um, <laughs> uh, in the last several years, I guess I hate to, admit right. I hate to admit it, but I mean, <laughs> I've experienced that, you know, where you're, you're reluctant to do yeah. it. It's scary to put yourself mm-hmm. out there. And so I love that scene with him, but yeah, go Go ahead
1: and and so we we see him sort of in this kind of how he how he's dressed and kind of what he's doing and and we know that sort of maybe the the stereotype about online dating you know sort of translates to desperation or can't really make it socially in the real world which obviously is not the case but it's but again it's a it's it's a stereotype that's that's amplified in order to create the bigger change that's going to happen as the movie progresses and so Stiller sets up all these different visuals and all these different these moments, even in how Mitty walks, you know, he's just very reluctant. And you 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 put that up against his daydreaming scenes, which are just so over the top. I mean, that first that first daydreaming sequence where he, he, he this... has to put the phone down and go rescue the dog. <laughs> so awesome, man. So and it was awesome. great but you knew, you knew as an audience that that was not really happening. You're, right. you're going like, what's happening? Because you were already set up with this. It can't be him. He's not, you know, that's, that can't be him. And so we have this guy who is, he, he starts out as one thing and he grows into being something else. And we wonder, so, well, where you know, how did he get to be that way? Or was he always like that? Because then we see pictures of him with a mohawk and doing all these things and, so we, we start to get, as the, as the movie progresses, we start to see more of who he is and why he is the way he is. And what that does for me is it tells me that his life, he may initially see it as a mistake, but by the end of the movie, I don't think he does. Because the big reveal at the end was really just validating not just his profession, but just who he was to just one other person. Right. That person was important. It was Sean. Sean. And, but, you know, at the beginning of the movie, we wouldn't have been able to say, well, why is he important to Sean? I mean, Sean's this big time, you know, na- you know National Geographic type photographer and he trusts Walter. And so it gives us, gives us some intrigue there. And so there's a lot of this, this kind of paradoxical type of imagery, both visual and otherwise, that for me watching it, I, I was just excited to see how the story played out. You know, because I wondered what was negative 25 and why does Walter's relationship with Sean, why is it so important? Why is he so important to, to Sean and why is Sean so important to him? And, um, some of those questions got answered. Some of them were very open ended, but it left me feeling very satisfied, um, with, with the whole thing.
0: Oh, me too. I, I did not feel like I was cheated. Um, I did not feel like it was too simplified uh, for my taste either. Um, I love that. I love that you brought up the point that he doesn't at the end feel like he's wasted all of these years and now he gets to quote unquote live his life because that's a, that's an artistic direction or, um, I mean, really a a message direction that this type of film could have taken. Uh, it could have, it could have gone that route and it could have been, well, okay, now, now Walter Mitty is who he was supposed to be. Now he can embrace himself, and yeah, he can. He can embrace a new path that mm-hmm. is the right path for now. It wasn't the right path for then. Um, there was plenty of value to be had, like you said, in him being Sean's, you know, ghost cat, uh, un- <laughs> unknown to him. You know, the impact that he has had, and that that final scene, man, is is so wonderful. I, I just. Well, I guess it's kind of the next to final scene, but the reveal of negative 25, Mm -hmm. uh, just everything about the lead up to that. And and I want to talk about that a little later too, specifically, but the picture itself says it all. And as you mentioned, you would never know if you saw that picture early in the film, because it's, it's almost kind of like this, you know, it becomes like a mystery film. Mm -hmm. Um, what's her face? Uh, Cheryl, she talks about how, you know, she's learned the, the idea of a mystery novel and how, you know, you needed to get out and crack the case, uh, and go and try to, to put the pieces together. And so we don't just get an adventure. We get a mystery adventure. And if we had seen that thing at all before that moment, the impact would have been completely negated. Mm -hmm. Um, in my opinion. So, I mean, I don't know, at least that's what I feel about it. I feel like it was important and a necessary piece of the way that this story was being told. Um, what What about you? Did you think that? Did you think that? Or did you have an opposite opinion, which I'm sure some people have had, which is probably that, you know, maybe this is something where it's best that we just don't ever get to know. We just, mm-hmm. we just know that it's important. We don't know the specifics of it. Um, which side of that would you fall on?
1: Oh, man, I mean, I'm, I'm on the fence. Hmm. Um, it could work both of, ways, right? I it, mean, really, it, could. it really could. It really could. And it got me thinking a lot about the role of Sean. And I started thinking about, I, I was asking myself some really just wacky questions. And the first one I asked about Sean was, does Sean really exist? Because then I started, because I started thinking, okay, he's never met him.
0: <laughs> That's such um, a great question.
1: The only, the first time we see him in a picture, he moves. And so perhaps Walter's kind of daydreaming. Um, he can't be found. It's it's hard for him to be found. And of course, I, I, and punch holes in that all you want. I mean, it, there's, there's so many holes you can punch in my theory. But I think the bigger question I was asking was, the idea of Sean or Sean himself, did he set all of this up because he believed in Walter and he saw Walter as so important to him that he wanted him to go on this kind of adventure? Like when, when he put the negative in the wallet, did he know that Walter was going to be naive enough not to look in there and have to go find him and then thus do these, you know, all these things and, and, and things like that, questions like that sort of put, you know they had that same kind of feel um like asking the question should we have seen what was on the negative should you know did revealing the picture at the end negate everything i don't think it did but i think it could have been just as powerful had we seen walter and cheryl from from the newspaper's point of view or from the you know looking at them and just smiling and then just walking away Mm -hmm. and that could have been just as impactful but you know, it, it's it's this. <laughs> it feels very much like a mystery box. I mean, there, <laughs> yeah. there, 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 there are things does, that, yeah. that, that you you kind of go back and you go, you know, I'm going was Sean real? Yeah, of course he was real because you know blah blah blah. But you know, Sean was Sean was he was he, he was pivotal. His relationship with with Walter was pivotal to get Walter into a place where he could not just be adventurous but discover who he he. who who he lost to find who he lost and uh and and ideas like that make every point in the movie technical or symbolic or whatever really stand out and really make it a lot more than what we or maybe critics or people who initially watched it thought was sort of a shallow story it really deepens it
0: yeah and that's on the viewer i agree with you 100 percent, and that that was something that I was actually going to bring up was I don't, I don't fully get why this didn't resonate with audiences in a more impactful way. Now it is sitting at like a 70% on the rotten tomatoes for, for, okay. for audiences okay. uh, for, for user score. So that's, that's decent. That's better. And I have heard lots of praise. I mean, when I posted about this, it's funny, you know, I post a lot about uh, movies that I'm watching on Facebook um, when I'm watching them, just cause it's great to have that conversation and somebody will, comment and be like, Oh, I love this one. Or, Oh my gosh, what do you think of this? Or they'll bring it, some, bring up some conversation and we'll start to start to talk about it. This one has more likes and loves than I think anything I've posted in, in maybe this year that I can remember. I mean, it's like over a dozen, which is crazy for one movie post, just saying, that I'm watching it. So people out there have seen this and people out there loved it. Um, and yet, you know, here it is with this critic score, 50%, like we talked about. And I I don't know why that is. One of the biggest quote-unquote complaints uh, of this was that it didn't have enough substance. And I wonder if that's because we have gotten to this place in watching films where we don't think we should have to do any work. We think that it should be explained to us. And it should not be overexplained to us. So we have a very, very tight line that we have expectations here where if you tell us too much, then you're babying us and you're, you're, you're not trusting us enough, but then we don't want you to leave something open-ended either because then you're making us like, think about it. And we have to deal in metaphor and that's not fun because we want to not have to hurt our brains. And I think that this one lands more on that side of of the metaphor side of the of the thinking about it deeper, like you said, and I, I guess that's why it didn't hit with critics. I, I don't know. Um, I I could go either way with the whole uh, picture being shown or not. I disagree, or I, I guess I'm not disagreeing because it's not. You're not saying you believe that Sean was fake. Um, I definitely don't think that Sean, uh, in my experience, or for the experience that I had, I don't think that Sean. Intentionally set this all up as an adventure yeah. for Walter. I think that he truly just sent him the negative. It's a great scene, too, when he tells him that. <laughs> Walter's like, it's just, it's probably one of the funniest, like inadvertent. <laughs> it's, it's such, the movie is full of such great inadvertent humor, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like gags and jokes that are intentionally put in there to be like, Oh, now we're going to move into a humor phase. It's things like Sean saying, yeah, I just, you know, I thought it'd be cute to put it in the wallet that I gave you. And Walter's like, are you insane? Like, why would you, this is the most important photo picture in the history of man. And you, you hid it from me. Like I thought you meant inside the wrapper. And those kind of things are so yeah. great. Uh, the, <laughs> it reminds me so much. There's another line that I, 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 <laughs> Absolutely love one of the best moments of humor in the whole movie. Um, is Todd every time Todd calls him when he's like in Iceland or Greenland or <laughs> Afghanistan? And Todd calls him and he's talking, and 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 finally Walter's like, Hey Todd, I, I can't really talk right now. I'm
1: on my way to a volcano, <laughs> like, or or when he's in the Himalayas, he's like, Gotta gotta make oxygen choices. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Gotta be, make... and so that's the kind of humor this film has, and I love Got that it. about it. I'm getting off off my point. No, but,
1: you're making. Yeah, but yeah. Go ahead.
0: I, I'm just saying. I I think that Sean's intention was simply to honor Walter with his final photo, mm-hmm. um, and in doing so, thank exactly what happened. Thank the employees of the magazine that had supported him and made his work such an impact across the world. I think that was his intention. And I think it just worked out well that once Walter is on the adventure and makes it to Sean, this is who Sean is. So he now just has an opportunity to share it with him. And it's not in a, necessarily an out of his, out of his way teaching moment. Sure. It's just a, Hey, here you are. This is who I am. This is how I view life. Come, come see it with me.
1: Yeah. You, you said something interesting that Sean, thought he was doing something that essentially Walter would pick up on and Walter didn't. Walter was completely naive to it. You know, he thought, I thought you meant the rapper. And so he goes on this big adventure only to find out that, (laughs) as Sean says, it's in your, you know, you're sitting on it, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) But I think that says a lot about the story that, and maybe this is why it didn't sit well with critics at least, is that the subtlety of the story, the lightheartedness of the story didn't necessarily, at least what we've been used to, merit having a really I say deep message but a real meaningful message I mean everything about the movie was bright from the colors to the music to the the humor but it was subtle I mean there were moments of real subtlety and I think when you when you wrap up such an interesting theme that kind of kind of hits you in the face near the middle of the movie because you're going oh this isn't about a boy wants to date girl movie or at least not just about that you you start to maybe that's why it didn't resonate was that you know maybe a critic's going a movie with this kind of message shouldn't be sitting in this type of tone of a movie it shouldn't it shouldn't exist there and i'm going no <laughs> you're it so should cool. exist.
0: yeah absolutely i want more
1: yeah and i think it's i think what the strength of this movie is that it's, it's it's approachable it's it's a movie that like you mentioned not just the rating of it but the substance of it and the way in which everything is used in i'm going to just i'm going to plug our show in a positive way everything is very affirming the challenges the characters the humor the cinematography it's all affirming and you want more of it you don't you and I think that might be the detriment of it is that the moment that I think there's the this, this scene with him talking to Cheryl outside the Papa John's and he's basically telling her the story of his dad dying. And that's kind of the, the moment that his daydream started and the moment he sort of lost who he was. You know, it, it was it was a it was a meaningful scene, but I think it probably could have had more of an impact if it had been, you know, more depressing leading up to it. But I don't necessarily think that it was a detriment to me personally. It still made an impact on me, but I can see why the depth or the impact of the quote negative parts of Mitty's life didn't resonate, or maybe it wasn't as deep as it should have been, was because it was wrapped up in this really tonally bright movie.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess people would feel the need that they to have that. I, 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 we're both on the same page here, I think then that we don't need him to be a super tragic character. He's not, I mean, he's, he's got a fine life. He's, he's made it. He's been successful. Um, you know, he's had positive things in his life. He's had some things that he wished were, wishes were different. Uh, but he's, it's not like he's this Shakespearean tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, that we're dealing with here. And I don't think we need that. I, in fact, I don't want that. Yeah. I love that he's the everyman to me. I mean, he's me. He's you. He's, you know, my friends. He's my family. He's all of us at some point. And I, I think that that's the beauty of it, is that, that that's why we can resonate with it. Um, maybe we want something different from our films. Maybe we want them to be different, you know, characters than are us. But, I mean, I felt like this movie inspires me to get off my couch and, and go outside and, and go hiking or, or do some of those adventure th- adventurous things that I, I enjoy. Whether longboarding
1: long... want a longboard, I want Dude, to go
0: Right. Oh, it does. It makes you want to do that, but it makes you want to do it in Greenland, not in like here or Iceland, wherever the volcano was one uh, of the land. Yeah. But, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's an inspirational thing, not just with its message of courage. And there's plenty of that. I mean, I feel like if there was one overarching word that a movie would be about to me, it is courage. And it's the courage to send a wink, the courage to speak to that person that we admire uh, or we're we're attracted to. But, you know, Cheryl in the office, the courage to go into the unknown, just getting a plane ticket and going, you know, Mm. Um, the courage to jump out of a helicopter to fight a a poor, a poor piece, (laughs) a poor piece. <laughs> um, oh gosh! Oh, that was such a great scene. But the, the courage to fight a shark, um, you know, to skateboard toward an erupting volcano, to climb a mountain—he yeah. exhibits these things over and over and over. And it's his journey of learning to do that and struggling with it. Additionally, like it's not like Walter makes the choice. And he says, "Okay, I'm going to be courageous now. I'm going to have my Dead Poets Society seize the day, carpe diem moment." <laughs> And now it's okay. it's all good. I made the choice mentally the the switch has flipped, and now I'm a courageous guy. no, no it's There's a process each and every time that he has to go through, you know, and it gets a little easier the more you do it. and I think that's something that's very important to get out
1: of this. right. Well, movies like this, they have to grab you from the very beginning, especially if you know if if, if they have a simple message to them, although a powerful one powerful simple messages can be powerful in fact i think i would argue that some of the most powerful messages that i've received in my life have been the simplest ones and from the moment that this movie started it grabbed me um and i'm gonna i'm gonna dive in and say the 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 opening credits as a designer as a graphic designer i am absolutely in love with typography i love the use of type in creative ways And when I walked, when I walked, sorry, I'm walking, when, when Walter is walking out of his house and we see the, uh, like almost like a, these long wide shots of him walking and we see, you know, the studio pictures presents embedded on a brick wall. And then we see in other places, um, I think it's on like the train the signs for the trains. It says "Secret Life" on one, and then Walter Mitty on the other. The way that, the way in which the credits are embedded into the environment, I thought was just absolutely phenomenal. And you couple that with seeing these this, these wide shots of the city, and you'll see that later with wide shots of of the, of of Iceland. Uh, one of our listeners, Gabriel, made a great point in saying it's a great <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, it's a great travel movie. Travel ad. He says a great, ad. Said a it's great a travel, travel ad. Yeah, and he's right. You know, I personally don't necessarily want to go to these places, but the way in which these things were were photographed and filmed were just beautiful. The movie is a beautiful. I could watch the movie without the dialogue and be, and enjoy it just because it was just a visually so much fun to watch and so enjoyable to watch. Um, I especially love the the moment when he's getting on the plane. Um, and so there's like three or four scenes, again, going back to that typography, where the 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 motto of life is embedded in different parts, like on the floor of uh, of 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 the airport, from the top down the camera. And then you see another one where it's behind the ticket lady. And then the last part of the of the motto is on the runway of the plane as it passes as it's about ready to take off from the top. I just I love that because I think one of the things that, that Stiller and company are doing is creating the power of words and the power of imagery. I mean, it's Life Magazine. It's all about words and imagery. <laughs> I mean, that's how life is known for. I mean, when you think of Life Magazine, you think the word life, and then you see a really iconic image, <laughs> either in front of it or behind it, and and that's the essence of what a magazine is. It's words and pictures, and I think as a whole, the movie just i think it honors that in a lot of ways uh from the very beginning with the typography and other things as well
0: i could not agree more with you i won't beat, beat it beat it in too much but i you know i had a note written down patrick that said uh the film is able to tell walter's story with no dialogue or music even needed so we oh, we yes. are on the same page um the cinematography the color pops the locations the transitions between reality and dream um the way that that's done everything about it is incredible the dialogue mm-hmm. although or the the text on the screen um throughout from the the opening like you mentioned to when Hernando's text message shows up on the mountain like yeah. that is incredible um and then the diary entries in Afghanistan just being Oh yes being I written, forgot about those being written and scripted in real time on the screen I just I loved it I loved it I I I absolutely could immerse myself in this and and it, it is that's that's why I'm putting it that high in my list that's why I'm moving it into the top 50 that's why I I truly do love this film um, is because I feel like I could sit down right now and watch it again and then again and again and again on repeat and I would not get tired of it because of all of these different factors it just hits all the notes for me. But even w- even though we talk about you know the dialogue it being okay without it it has great dialogue and then we both mentioned you know without music but it does have music and thank goodness it does because <laughs> I got to tell you this is probably the best soundtrack for me that I have a film that I have watched this year, um, whether new or old, uh, as far as top to bottom could listen to it. You're going to hear, you know, a couple of those things in this episode, because I just, I I had to put them in there. I had to find a way to, in a way, I guess I felt like I was honoring the great choices that were made for this story. Um, arcade fires, wake up was in our intro and, uh, of monster and men's, Dirty pause is, is going to be heard in our outro today. And both of those, um, they just, they're the times that they show up in the film. Uh, the dirty pause track is, is used in a lot of the trailers. Uh, the almost are like the travel ad. It's like the travel ad song as Gabriel would have mentioned. And, uh, it works fantastic for that. And then the arcade fire wake up song is just an iconic song that you'll notice and you'll know immediately and where it's used in this film is when Walter's embarking on his journey, you know, he's leaving the building and he starts walking down the hall and he's passing all of these life magazine covers and he starts running and drops his briefcase and just goes. And that's what that rousing Anthem like, uh, tone of that song makes you want to do. It makes you feel that way. I mean, I was jamming out to this soundtrack in my car. I've not stopped since I, since I watched the movie, I just wanted to keep listening to it. And, um, it, takes me to those places in the film. It makes me think about them and remember them and remember the parts of the life motto that I saw him experiencing when he was listening or when these songs were playing, you know, the, the parts of seeing the world, things dangerous to come to see behind walls, draw closer to find each other and to feel that is the purpose of life. And -hmm. I think that the soundtrack captures that perfectly.
1: I agree. And th- there's so much balance. I don't feel like anything in this movie was heavy handed. I felt like it was either catering to the point of the movie and the score on the other end of that did just that. So I thought the moments when you had instrumental pieces were perfect for the moments when they did. Um, and then you couple that with songs like, you know, the, the Arcade Fire song or the Monsters of Men song. I mean, you had this great, it wasn't just a movie that was trying to fill itself up with really fun songs. It was a movie that used those songs to help further the story. And as I, as I watched this, this is really one of the few movies that I look at and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm virtually just kind of in a pretend way, uh, holding the DVD in my hand or holding the movie in my hand. And I'm going, this really is a piece of art. This is something that I'd want to just kind of put in a museum. And look at which is different from a lot of movies i mean movies are experienced um i think we, we talked about that on our on our wrap-up show our summer movie challenge wrap-up show with with popcorn theo and we said you know there were a couple of movies that we said those are my favorites of the summer and you know, we explained the reasons why but movies like walter Mitty are they are an experience but they're also just I can't really describe it. It's like when you, when you walk into a museum and you just want to stare at an a, a incredible piece of art for an hour or so, and you just want to kind of look at the details, and you want to see where little pockets of, of the, the artist's um, style come out, where the little subtleties, where the deep, you know, just these little things. And I think that I want to watch this movie multiple times, not so I can hunt for Easter eggs, but to see how small things that I missed enhance the story because I think movies like this and this particular movie made me feel like everyone involved in it put so much attention to detail from you know how they were going to color the scenes and or how the music was going to be used how the dialogue was going to be balanced between humor and drama I mean all these things I felt like it was just very intricate like it was very purposeful and, and, and as, as someone who considers himself an artist in, in some form here and there, that's important to me because it tells me that every person on that crew and in that cast valued the, the end result. I'm not saying that movies that don't do that to me, the, the cast and crew don't do that, but this felt very obvious. And the end user, me, uh, the result of that is me going, guys, I want to watch it again. I don't want to watch it again. I know what the ending is going to do. I know what's going to happen. And a movie like this, it's it, it's even beyond the movie experience. It's just about enjoying the art, enjoying the visuals, enjoying the music, enjoying the dialogue. Um, I, I, I'm probably not explaining it really well, but maybe maybe you get what I'm saying.
0: I completely do, and I think you are explaining it well. Um, <laughs> I think you're doing a great <laughs> job. To be honest, you know, there's there's just there's just a incredible specialty here like you said the balance where everything works the music the sound the cinematography the the acting um this has got to be Kristen Wiggs my favorite Kristen Wiig role um, or at least my favorite non-comedic Kristen Wig role I couldn't believe how well she was or how great she was in a limited amount of time uh, on screen she was just so wonderful and charming and believable and then I mean, the, I'm getting into the casting here and how well it was done. The The Patton Oswalt character of Todd, is just, it's perfect. He's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's, he is the humor and interjects just enough of that, um, that he stays relevant and then he plays a role in the actual emotional crux and, 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 part of this film. Like he's not just the funny guy. You know, if he would just stayed the funny guy from e-harmony that called every once in a while, it wouldn't have the same impact, but he gets to come into play. He gets to have a role in Walter's life, um, forever. Probably they, they become friends, true friends, you know? And I love that when he sits down with him with a Cinnabon, (laughs) you know, the first thing, (laughs) the first thing he does is he just asks, he asks Walter. He's like, tell me about it. And it made me think about how do we, do we ever do that? Do we ever Mm -hmm. take the time to just ask each other, you know, like, Hey, tell me about that. We're we're always pretty quick to talk about our own experiences or to move on to the next thing. But do we take time to listen to each other's stories and each Mm -hmm. other's emotions and feelings and experiences and just take it in um, and just say, wow, that's incredible. Or man, I really am sorry. You know, I, I got a lot out of that little quick scene of them sitting there, you know, eating a Cinnabon. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Shirley MacLaine, just great. She's just, she's wise and patient. She bakes a mean Clementine cake, which I've never had, <laughs> but now I am dying to try you
1: want it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And stiller, I think Stiller's brilliant. brilliant. Um, some would say he's typecast. I think this is, I just think he's incredible. His facial expressions, his, his body language, everything about the character is, is spot on for me. Yeah. And Sean Penn is basically Sean Penn. And I have to make one connection here um, before we keep going to to our connecting points. Huh? Um, That was unintentional.
1: A pre-connection? Yeah, (laughs)
0: pre-connecting. So Sean Penn directed one of my favorite films uh, of all time, which is called Into the Wild, based on a book called Into the Wild um, by John Krakauer, which is the story of Alexander Supertramp, (laughs) also known as Chris McCandless, um, Mm -hmm. who is a hiker who set out and just left college and just went, went out on an adventure. Um, and it didn't end well for him. I mean, he didn't end with Walter's story, you know, he died and it was sad, (laughs) but he did the same thing. He just set out and he went for it. And, uh, I thought that it was really interesting that Sean Penn was then tied to this project and playing a character that was encouraging that same type of behavior, that same type of spirit, I guess. Um, and that, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's intentional. I really don't, but I'd like to think it is. And I'd like to think that stiller knows and saw into the wild and how the material was handled by Penn, and thought, this is the guy that understands it. This is the guy that can get it and will be the perfect person to fill this role. So I haven't looked that up yet. I need to. Um, but you know, consider this a short plug for into the wild as well. Uh, that if you haven't seen that one, you know, it's kind of along the lines of this, it's not exactly the same and it's different enough that, you know, you could, you aren't going to feel like you're watching the same movie, but it's, it's something that I wanted to mention. And I I think that Sean Penn was, was fantastic in his limited role here.
1: I agree, man. And, um, if you have any doubts that Ben Stiller had to convince the director that Sean Penn was right for the role. You don't need to have any doubts because Ben Stiller directed this thing, and I was so surprised with that. Um, I I don't know <laughs> if he was typecast; it was his fault, right? <laughs> he probably had to say right, yeah. But you know, Ben Stiller in this role is a lot like um, Jim Carrey in The Truman Show, or Will Ferrell in um, Stranger Than Fiction. There's like this quote-unquote serious movie that most big comedians go and do mm-hmm. uh sandler, sandler has i think punch drunk love or something or yeah. or spanglish or whatever and i think in a lot of ways this was his movie this was the movie where he got to be um ben stiller the comedian but more in a subtle subtle way and i and I, I really dig that I, I i think that um stranger than fiction just as a as an option is, is one of my favorites it's in my top 10 of all time um, which is it? Just I know it's yeah. Will Ferrell. I guess how I can to watch you put it. Will Fer- in in the top ten? But you, you know, a guy like a guy like Ben Stiller to be able to not only act but also direct the whole thing. I mean, that's that's talent, man. That's just that's just good stuff. I I, I don't. I mean, I know that there are directors that also uh, act. You know, St- Stallone does it for Rocky, but I mean, it's it seems rare to me to see a director be successful in a film in which he's also the lead actor. They, it's not like they're opposites, like you can't have it, but it it seems like it's, it'd be a hard thing to do, a very challenging thing to do.
0: Yeah. And I got to say that the thing that is really awesome to me about him directing this is that to direct this type of movie, this type of story, this kind of uh, emotional and, and uh, message movie, you know, you have to believe this. Like this is, This is not something where you say, oh, well, hey, we're looking for a director to direct the newest, you know, movie that's all about how you should have courage and go chase your dreams. That's not something that you're like, oh, well, hmm, should we call Zack Snyder or or J.J. Abrams or just get whoever the next (laughs) hot guy is, Christopher Nolan. You know what I mean? This is something you've got to have already in your heart. It's got to be important to you. This is a story that he wanted to tell Mm -hmm. um, from a personal level, and I think that that, absolutely seeps through it uh, tremendously in shows
1: for sure, man. So there were so many great moments for me in terms of just laugh out loud, serious, whatever. I particularly loved the, uh, the fight sequence between him and is it Hendrix, the, the bad guy.
0: Hendrix <laughs> is great. I didn't mention him in the acting, but dude, one of the best villains, y- you know, you'll see as far as perfectly fitting that <laughs> role, he is the corporate transition <laughs> jerk of the year He's really great. Is. And when they come out of that fight scene, I don't know if you noticed this little random Easter egg, but they fall in a garbage truck and I actually paused it and rewound it. And my kids got excited. The garbage truck says "Hendrix Deacon destruction is the name <laughs> of the garbage truck. Hendrix <laughs> destruction.
1: I love it. Yeah, it was great. I love it. But I, I love just loved Sh- him. I, and I, and I love that Cheryl calls him beard guy at one point. It was <laughs> just, he's just, he is just so over the top. So just, it's like, i have never known a boss like that but i know that that's probably the epitome of most stereotypical bosses and and he was great in this role he was great I, I, he and pat and oswald do the do the same thing in terms of how they how they handle their roles
0: they do and you know i hate to try i know we're probably um going long
1: so i apologize
0: for everybody listening to this but i don't apologize at all you know okay don't. you know what we don't apologize it's worth it dead gamut but <laughs> The other thing about Hendrix that was important for me to bring up, and, and this is a question I have to ask you if you felt this at all, was for me at the end of the movie, I like to believe, I'd like to know how you read this situation, and if it's different from me, tell me. When when the photo is revealed, post Walter going into the board meeting and chewing out, essentially giving a speech to Hendrix and saying, you know, you're, you don't get it. And then you can put that on a plaque at your next job and drops (laughs) the negative on the table. It's like a, it's like a mic drop moment, right?
1: Yeah, it really is. But,
0: but there's some clues here that I took out of this and this could be me totally reading into it much the same way, you know, where you went, you know, you, you let your mind wander when you were trying to decide whether Sean was real or not. This is mine. Hendrix. the way he looks in that final shot of him is almost like he realizes it. And I like to believe maybe because I'm a positive person and maybe because I just I, I want to think that this is the way the world should work. Um I like to believe that there's redemption in Hendrix's story and that Hendrix intentionally makes the choice to call it what he does at the end on the life cover when he dedicates it to the employees because that's what Walter, you know, Walter said to him, something very similar. And you know, it could be read probably different ways. It could be read that Hendrix gets fired because he didn't understand or he didn't, you know, he, he made bad choices, but I like to believe that Hendrix ends this film, not the villain anymore, that there are no villains that everybody gets to kind of come full circle. And that for Hendricks, that's what that was all about is he got to go on his own little journey in a way, um, that takes him to a place where he now values the people that he for all of his life has not valued. Um, and that he sees how important that they can be. So I like to believe for myself that Hendricks has a little redemption arc. And I don't know if you saw that or thought that or not, but wanted to mention it.
1: Well, I'm glad you did because I agree with you Ooh, and all right. I'll say this for two reasons. One, Walter was fired before this scene ever took place. So it's not like he had any quote employee credibility uh, when he walked in and Again, I love the subtlety. If you, I was looking on the the dry erase board presentation thing behind Hendrix, and I remember uh, there was a mock cover that said "The End of Life." You know, it didn't have a picture on it. And on the left side, you see a little, a, uh, I think it's like a whiteboard uh, diagram that shows like the benefits of having no cover. And there was a thing at the bottom that jetted off from like no cover, and it said in a circle. WTF moment with like like almost like a positive spin on it and so I look at those and I'm going here's a guy who was all about and still could have after seeing the picture because it wasn't glamorous it wasn't the you know it wasn't it wasn't Tyson it wasn't a big amazing picture you know a life type picture and I think that when you see that image and, and this is where I think showing the image is valuable. When you show that image, it's doing exactly what you say it is. It's giving redemption to a number of people, to Walter, to the employees at Life, and to Hendrix, because we see that choice that was made. Because Hendrix, I think, still had the power to say, nope, Mm -hmm. this is going to sell more newspapers if we say the end of, because personally, I thought that was a great tagline, you know, to not have an image and say the end of Life, fantastic. But I think that, Kendrick saw the value based on that speech that Walter gave that people made up the magazine, not numbers, you know, people made the magazine successful for so many years. And, and I think he turned a corner there. Um, and I think in the end, uh, Walter found him and gave him a, a doll, gave him a stretch Armstrong doll as a, as a, as a peace offering.
0: (laughs) I like that too. I'm going to add that to my, uh, beliefs. (laughs) <laughs> well why don't we go ahead then and, and move on to our actual connecting points that sounds um, good like you were starting to say when i <laughs> cut you off there to no it's it's, it's, Man, it's it's i, I cool. could talk about this one for a long time folks this is this is such an impactful movie to me uh, obviously patrick as well so i uh,
1: uh, and i'm so happy that he does this is this is the thing is that we agree on most films but there are some films that I'm more amped up about than he is and vice versa. And so when we're both on the same page about a movie that we're really, really jacked about, it's a happy night, guys. It's just a happy, happy conversation.
0: <laughs> it is. And I, I hope you are all enjoying this. But um, So moving forward, what you mentioned that there are so many great scenes in this film, and I completely agree. It's tough to pick one that we connected most with. Um, it wasn't just a no-brainer for either of us this time around. But I am very... Curious to hear what yours is for this particular movie.
1: The hands-down moment for me was the scene in the Greenland karaoke bar. Walter's just finished up a conversation with a pilot who's drinking out of a giant boot beer stein, which is just phenomenal in and of itself.
0: Scary is what that was.
1: <laughs> the fact that they had smaller versions of those things was really funny. Very intimidating. <laughs> it was. And so he starts to daydream about about Cheryl playing uh the song major tom another great song from the soundtrack um and that song um he's thinking about it because two things happen one hendrix calls him major tom you know ground control to major tom because he's daydreaming he's out there and um later on cheryl's talking to him in the uh, in the park where she's trying to uh, corral her son and she says as she's leaving she goes you know beard guy's wrong that song about that that major song major song major tom that's a song about courage and going into the unknown It's, it's a cool song and what we don't know if we haven't seen the movie is that's foreshadowing what's about to happen and so he starts daydreaming about her playing that uh on the acoustic guitar and it's in this moment that two things happen first he starts to catch a sense that the adventure he's meant to go on is more than just finding that negative but also finding himself. And the second thing is that it was at this moment that everything he experienced from there on out was real. See, up to that point, we had seen probably, what, four different sequences of his fantasy. And they were really over the top. I think we mentioned that before. And then, as a viewer, it turned me into someone experiencing life with him instead of watching him live in a fantasy world. And the leap onto the helicopter, that was the, the climactic moment. That was the moment where his fantasy world separated into his reality mm-hmm. because he jumped into that, that, that helicopter. He didn't imagine himself doing it. He actually did that. And then what happens? He jumps into the water. <laughs> he fights off a shark. Everything from there on out is just as absurd in terms of stories that, that we tell or that he's telling, but they actually actually happen to him. And uh, what's Pat Oswalt's character again? Todd. What's his name? Todd. So he's telling Todd about this. Like, I'm in Greenland and I just fought off a shark. And he goes, That's awesome. But, you know, we can't really, we can't really, you know, use that because, you know, you need to be honest. And he's like, I'm being honest. And so the leap into the helicopter for for him it was a leap into the unknown, expecting that anything was possible no matter how scary. Um, and at that moment, he was living out the motto of Life magazine. To see the world, things dangerous to come to, to see behind walls, draw closer, to find each other and to feel that is the purpose of life. And I think that that was his carpe diem moment. That was him, you know, just just grabbing it and saying, whatever happens next, it's going to happen and I'm going to be active and not passive. I'm going to be offensive and not defensive. And uh, I can definitely resonate with that.
0: Oh, such a great choice! I, I love, like you said, the the transitioning where he goes from daydreaming on and off to the reality moment, and there's there's something that happens right before that uh, as he's getting to the bar or the town that I failed to bring up earlier, and it, it kind of connects here pretty well, and I wanted to see if you caught this. So when he lands. Uh, he is given a choice between a blue car and a red car. This, in my opinion, is 100% direct, directly connected to what happens in a movie called The Matrix, with a red pill and a blue pill. And in that oh, film,
1: man. huh? That's an "Oh man,
0: oh yeah, buddy." <laughs> and in that film, Neo is given this choice, uh, and if. I'm going to spoil the matrix right now. So I'm just telling you people, if you haven't seen the matrix, I'm sorry. And what is wrong with you, but (laughs) stop listening for the next couple minutes, I guess. Uh, anyway, so Neo is given this, this choice between a blue pill and a red pill. And, uh, in that choice, we know that the blue pill, Morpheus actually tells him, he says, you take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and you believe whatever you want to believe. You stay in the dream that is what the blue pill does. You take the red pill, you stay in wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. He chooses the red car.
1: (laughs) I did not pick up on that at all. Well, I think (laughs) it's
0: very blatantly obvious because of what happens right after that and how it then transitions him into the reality of what he's dealing with, um, which is exactly what is happening in the matrix at that moment after he takes that pill Um, and that's what it is. It's the, the red pill refers to a human that is aware of their true nature. And so that like being in this film just was an amazing moment for me. And I, I have not looked it up to see if that was intended or if that's just something I picked up on. I'm guessing that it has to, it's just so obvious to me, like that it has to be what was intended, but this goes into that whole cinematography or not cinematography, but just visual usage in this film, the way that it's made up. There are multiple times when we see red, bright reds, red doors, he comes in and out of, and then we see some blues as well. And I think it'd be a very, very fun watch to watch the whole thing specifically looking for blue and red and trying to piece together what is going on with him in those moments. And I think I thought it tied into to yours pretty well because it leads into your scene and that moment Mm -hmm. where he moves on toward reality for good.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, if that wasn't yours, I'm curious to know where you connected with the most in in this movie.
0: Well, there is very little for Sean Penn to actually do visually in this film, Uh, but there is a, a scene where he is at the mountaintop of the Himalayas when Walter reaches him finally, and we get to our what you could call the climax climactic moment of trying to find negative 25. And so when that happens, uh, we see Sean O'Connell, the character, he's got his camera out and he's telling Walter how he's up here to film a snow leopard that is called a ghost cat. Uh, and he uses that term as a reference for, you know, something that is a beautiful thing that does not, desire attention it doesn't ask for attention it's a beautiful thing that doesn't ask for attention and that leads us into uh the snow cat the snow leopard i guess it's not a snow cat uh the snow leopard the ghost cat coming out for the first time and uh i'm gonna let i'm gonna let these guys say it because i can't do it better than them when are you gonna take it Sometimes I don't. If I like a moment, make me personally. I don't like to have the distraction again. Just wanna stay in it. Stay. So, as Sean says here, it's all about staying in the moment. And for me, this is why the movie hits me the hardest. Um, we live incredibly busy lives. We are bogged down at times by our incredible amount of amazing technology that exists. Um, we work at least five days a week, if not more, in our lives. It's all about earning money in order to stay up and able to, you know, exist and go on in the ways that we, we need, or we want. And, you know, our cell phones are a great example of this. If you go to a restaurant, people on their cell phones, instead of just talking to that person across from them. And that's what this scene is all about for me. It's about staying in the moment. Like Sean says, If I like a moment for me personally, I don't like to have the distraction of the camera. I face this personally all the time. Do I snap that picture of my kids? Do I, do I, do I force myself to get my phone out? Do I, or do I have it out ready, ready to snap that perfect picture? Whenever that moment actually happens, I'm waiting for it. Or do I put it away and just enjoy the experience myself? Do I need to share that with the world? And this is where, this is what Sean is, his doing this is him this is his life his life is sharing these photos but he acknowledges and understands that sometimes that moment's for you and Mm that's that moment's for him and it's just not time to take the picture the picture goes in your head it goes in your heart um and walter doesn't understand that until now and so it works out great because it ties back into you know, Walter's picture ultimately being referred to as the ghost cat, Walter himself, yeah. as the beautiful thing that never asks for attention. But gosh, yeah means so much, right? To people? And so this resonates incredibly to me, because we try to connect with everyone instead of having deep relationships with a few people. We try to do everything instead of pouring ourselves into one or two things. I have so many hobbies and so many interests that I'm always trying to juggle that inevitably they cannot get the same level of attention and they can't get the same level of commitment that they really deserve. And that is manifested 10 times to people in my life. Mm -hmm. We're so quick and we're so ready to move on to the next new thing that we rarely take a minute to just stop and live in the moment. And so for me, this scene is a reminder of those things that we can miss. And frankly, I just, I don't want to miss that ghost cat, man.
1: (laughs) So good, man. I think that, I mean, that's so good. Um, I was even, I was even thinking about that yesterday. I was having breakfast with, um, with my family. My my son had a, a soccer game and we decided to just go get pancakes afterwards. And my wife and I are making, we're trying to be more, fully present with each other and and with him as we're all together you know and so we try to put our devices in the car you know (laughs) because the odds of us being needed in that moment at breakfast by somebody that's not at that table is pretty rare and um you know even even these moments where i want to capture my son on camera and see him you know kicking the ball doesn't compare to me being out there and playing with him and i'm okay with i love that quote beautiful things don't ask for attention i want to be a beautiful thing that doesn't really care that he's either being photographed or not i want to be there in the moment with my child because that doesn't last forever and you know speaking of soccer i love the fact that right afterwards sean gets up and he goes (laughs) he looks down at the valley or wherever they are and goes that looks like
0: fun. He says that looks like fun. Yeah, I love
1: that yeah. line. And he just goes down there, and, and Walter, Walter's still sort of perplexed by the whole thing. He's like, you didn't take the picture. And he looks at Walter, and he goes, Walter, <laughs> uh, I, we, we need says, to make it even.
0: We're going to be a man short if you don't come. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and then you see that great little montage of them just playing, and I just, mm, so good, man. So, so good. It's
0: so good. and And- Last note, I just want to make a challenge, I guess, to everybody listening to this and to myself and to you, is that this is phenomenal stuff to watch and explore and take in and to talk about and to dig into. But what really matters is that we be like Walter. We need to act. We need to take these lessons and we need to put them into actual steps and actual Mm -hmm movement forward in our lives. We need to do them, not just think about them, talk about them. Um, so I hope that everyone who feels even remotely close to this way about this film's inspirational message, um, that you take some of this stuff and maybe, maybe pick one thing and just go with it and, and see what it can do for your life. Uh, and if it can change it for the better.
1: Nice. I have nothing more to add to that than to say it's time to wrap up the show. (laughs)
0: Cool. Fun, fun, quick fact, uh, trivia here. I gotta say is that my kids and I, while watching this film unexpectedly did not know this was going to happen, but we were eating Papa John's. So (laughs) that was a cool moment for them. And we happened to have made our new basketball team in NBA two K 17 video game. We were creating our own little franchise in Seattle, uh, because ours was stolen. Let's not go there. And, um, (laughs) we decided we were going to have it with a mascot of a snow leopard and I'm not kidding nice. you. And so those two things had ha- were happening just like right before we watched, you know, then we watched this movie and it, it, the, the looks on their faces and their amazement of those two connections to this movie, which it was just, it was too perfect. Like I couldn't have ever planned that, you know? Um, and those kind of things are the memories that I will always have with this now. I will always remember that when I got to watch this movie with my kids, it's not just about how amazing the film was and what it made me feel, but I'll remember when I see Papa John's scene in this movie that I was eating Papa John's with my kids when we watched it. (laughs) And I just, I think that's really cool.
1: So that is cool, man. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we would love for you guys to join the discussion. Uh, we'd love to hear what your favorite parts of the movie were, what your connecting point was, uh, some of the subtle things that you caught that maybe we didn't. And if you want to do that, you can connect with us on Twitter. We're at Feel Film, uh, FeelinFilm, F E E L I N F I L M. We're at uh, f- uh, Facebook.com/slash/FeelinFilm. That's our page. You can get to our group from there. If you uh, if you want to catch the latest episode, you can go to FeelinFilm.com or iTunes or wherever. And uh, and just we'd love to, to to hear what you guys thought. Uh, not just about not about this episode, but really just about the movie. We just we'd, we'd love to hear about that. Uh, if you want to you wanna follow me, you want to check out and have a conversation with me, I'm at shoelesspatch on on Twitter, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H, uh, facebook.com, slash shoelesspatch. And you can also um, hit me up on my website, thisispatch.com. And if you want to hear about what I thought about a great 80s movie called Adventures in Babysitting, uh, like I mentioned before, check out the episode of the uh, Retro Rewind podcast, you can find a link to our show under the uh, guest spots, or you can go to their website, Retro Rewind. It's so a mouthful, Retro Rewind Podcast dot <laughs> com. <laughs> and I may have that that uh, that URL incorrect at this point. I forget now, but at the very least, go to our website. You'll have the correct stuff there. Awesome.
0: Well, if you want to connect with me personally, you can find me at Aaron L White, A A R O N E L W H I T E, on Twitter, on Facebook, and all across the interwebs and video game world as well. Uh, next week we are going back to the theaters. It feels like, you know, I feel like I should be like singing a a rap song, you know, back to the theater of back to the hotel, but we have not been there. We have not been there for a review in a while, took about a month or so off. And so it's exciting. We're, we're pumped to start integrating some, some awesome, uh, fall and winter picks into our rotation again. Got a lot coming up for you. A lot of great films or at least expectation wise great films uh, that we're excited to be covering and so that starts this week Uh, you'll be getting a special episode little mini episode on Blair Witch in the middle of the week on Wednesday so that's coming at you and then number 25 our first kind of big big milestone I think right Patrick? That's gosh, right. Gosh, 25. I can't believe it. But our, our main episodes, our number 25 will be next Sunday. And we are doing that one on the magnificent seven. So
1: not jacked about it. Uh, me,
0: me too. I'm actually really excited to see the movie, <laughs> not just to talk <laughs> about it. I hope I'm excited to talk about it after, but I, I just can't wait to see this one. Uh, mm-hmm. the cast alone is, is worth the price of admission. So we're sure. Yep. So look forward to those two coming at you this next week. And if you've got this far and haven't seen Walter Mitty yet, uh, I hope you're inspired to go do so, or, you know, maybe give it a rewatch. If you haven't seen it in a while, I think you or might re
1: rewatch or re 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 rewatch. I'm you know, going to be, I'm
0: going to be re 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 watching <laughs> it. Um, and I bet you, I bet you we'll all find something new. We love, uh, I'm gonna
1: look over. for those reds to look for the reds.
0: Yeah. Let's do it with that. So, all right. Well, I guess that's it for us. And as always, until next time, stay positive
1: and keep feeling film.